day. We trust that the people that are here, that are under the sound of the voice, my voice here and on the internet, would hear just what it is the Spirit of God is saying to us from your holy written word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go to Second Chronicles, the 7th chapter and the 14th verse. Today I'm, I'm supposed to speak about prayer in light of the upcoming midterm elections. Now you, say, you said you're supposed to speak about it. Who told you to? The Holy Spirit told me to. He runs this place. So I get my directions from him and we do our best to hear from him. We've missed it some over the years. I'm human. We can miss it. You know, you ought to judge everything I say in line in light of the Word of God. Is that right? Any minister, you ought to judge what they're saying in light of the Word of God. And if you can't back it up with Scripture, then what they're saying, throw it out. Same thing with me. Okay? So we're supposed to talk about the upcoming midterm elections. And you know, ministers of the gospel should be involved in politics. Did you know that? I'm going to say some things about Daniel here in just a little bit. He was uh, one of the foremost prophets of the Old Testament, yet he was heavily involved in government. So was Isaiah the prophet. It's a mistake when Christians and ministers remove themselves from the political arena. We're supposed to be a part of that. A lot of people don't understand separation of church and state. That was put in to keep the government out of our affairs, but not to keep us out of the governmental affairs. The way this nation was set up is that Christians, this is a Christian nation. It's supposed to be. That's how it was founded. And um, trust, we're moving back that way. But the way this nation was set up was... You know, most of the founding fathers were Christians, devout Christians. They loved Jesus. And uh, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Is that right? And uh, anyway, in Second Chronicles 7.14, you're, most of you are familiar with this. It says, if my people... Now notice, he's not talking about sinners here. He's talking about God's people. Believers. Okay, who are called by my name will humble themselves and what and 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 pray, which we're going to talk about that t- that today and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. So we're going to talk about prayer. Um, you know, I have here in my notes I have written down pray and vote, pray and vote. Did you know that, that voting is just as, as important as praying? Did you know that? They're equally important. And, and I say this very boldly. If you have the ability to vote and you don't, your prayers, I, I believe, are of absolutely no effect. Because you have faith, but you don't have corresponding action. And faith without works is is dead. Right? Now, you say, who should we pray for? And what should we pray for them? Those are two good questions. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. For who should we pray and what should we pray for them? So first of all, who should we pray for? He, he said if my people would humble themselves and pray. So, you know, we, we talk about that, but what does it really mean? Who are we supposed to pray for? What are we supposed to pray? Some good, good questions. Let's give you some answers here. First Timothy 2 verse 1, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul writes and says, Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for, notice, for all men, all people, And then notice verse 2, for kings, and we don't have a king here in this nation, but then it says all who are in what? In authority. So we have a lot of governmental officials who are in authority. 
that we may lead... Now, now why should we pray for them? Well, here, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Right? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now, notice, who are we supposed to pray for? Well, king, all men, all people, and then kings and all who are in authority. So that's who we're focusing in on here today is those in authority, governmental authority. Why do we need to pray for them? That we would lead a quiet, peaceable life, so forth. It's good and acceptable to God. Then verse 4 says, Who desires all men to be what? To be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we know who we're supposed to pray for. We're supposed to pray for all who are in authority. And then what are we supposed to pray for them? That they, first of all, would be what? Would be saved and then if they're already saved then what that they would come to the knowledge of the truth do you know that just because somebody believes on the lord jesus christ doesn't mean that they're walking in the full knowledge of the truth of the word of god is that right now you know that's correct just because somebody's a believer on the lord that's great they're going to miss hell make heaven they're saved that's wonderful but it, but he wants us to also come to the knowledge of the truth do you know there's a lot of people that believe that God puts sickness and disease on them? Did you know that? There's a lot of Christians that believe that. There's a, there's a lot of Christians. They believe on the Lord Jesus, all right. But they, but they think that God's putting sickness and disease on people. Now, how many of you know God's not putting sickness and disease on people? See, so, so Christians that believe that God's putting sickness and disease on them, they're saved, all right, but they're not walking in the full knowledge of the truth, are they? So, so though they're saved, they need to come to the what? To the knowledge of the truth, you see. So th- this is very effective. Actually, verse 4 there is a key guideline for prayer. It's, it's, it's like the foundation stone of prayer because these are the, I mean, this covers it all right here. Verse 4, pray for peace. So what am I supposed to pray for somebody? First of all, if they're not saved, that they would what? Become Saved, And we're going to talk about that just a little bit here, how to, how to pray for that. And then sec- secondly, that they would come to what? The knowledge of the truth. And in the example I just gave, to come to the knowledge of the truth, that God isn't putting sickness and disease on people, you see. Okay. Now, let me read from my notes here. Um, so I have down here in my notes, we need to pray for all who are in governmental authority. How many would agree with that? We need to pray for all who are in governmental authority. Now this next part, we'll see what I'm about to say here in the next few minutes. We're going to see if anybody walks out on me. I uh, hope not. Uh, you know, I'd be in good company though. Jesus had a lot of people walk out on him. So let's just see. We need to pray for all who are in governmental authority. Everybody's happy on that one. Whether, now listen to this, we need to pray for all who are in governmental authority, whether we like them or not. Whether we agree with them or not. And you know, and God commands us through the Apostle Peter and through the Apostle Paul, if you read their their letters. You know, especially First Peter and the book of Romans, you'll see that God commands us to respect all governmental authority, particularly if we don't like the, the, the politician and if, if, and if we don't like what they stand for. We're still supposed to have, show, show them respect and the love of God. You need to understand that. A lot of Christians have, have missed that in this hour. Now, here in the United States of America, the people that are running the political arena, you need to realize it's, it, it, it's different than what you see in the Old Testament. Because here in this nation, the people that are in Washington, the people that are in, in governmental uh, authority as far as like the governor and the senators, all those people, how many of you know they're all put there by you and me? Is that right? Thus the vote. So if we can pray, we can pray till we're blue in the face. But if we're not going to put corresponding action to our faith, our faith is futile. Would you agree with that? See, we, we are responsible for who 
are in the offices. And there's a lot of Christians will complain that they don't like so-and-so, but then you ask them, did you vote? They didn't vote. Well, then you don't have a right to complain. <laughs> you know? but, but, but here's the thing. And I'll set it up like this. Because this happened a couple of times. I exercise every other day. I, I run about six miles every day. And then I exercise every other day with weights and things. And I'm down from 235 to 162. That's pretty good, isn't it? But in exercising, I have television there. And I, I'll watch it and various things. And so I was watching a Donald Trump rally. Now, I, I, I'm glad he's in there. I'm glad Hillary Clinton is not in there. Okay, okay. But I'm sitting there. And he talks about her. And the crowd starts going into lock her up. And I'm sitting there, your pastor, and I'm joining right in. Lock her up. Lock her up. Lock her. Okay. And, and here. And, 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 okay, wait a minute. Oh, let me finish. And, and when I'm doing that right here on the inside where the Holy Ghost is, I'm having some... Tr- he, he's not liking that. And I overrode it. Have you ever overrode the Holy Ghost? And so the next, whatever it was, I'm sitting there and here we go again. Lock her up. And I'm just, I'm just having a good time. Lock her up. Lock her up. Now listen, I believe she's done some wrong things. And, and from what I understand about it, there's some people that would, if they'd have done the same thing she has done, they'd be in prison. And so if she needs to be in prison, if she's broken the law, then she needs to be in prison, okay? But here's the thing. I'm sitting there, lock her up. And guess what? Right on the inside, the Holy Ghost, there's just there's something not right with that. I'm joining in with the crowd. And then about the third time, have you ever overrode the Holy Ghost more than once? And here Mr. Trump brings her up and here the crowd goes. How many, how many of you know just because he brings something up doesn't mean, even though we like him, it doesn't mean it's right. And just because the whole crowd's doing something doesn't mean it's right. And I'm sitting there, lock her up, lock her up. And not just her, but low IQ Maxine and all this other stuff. You know, we laugh at it. And, 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 but when he's doing it, now, now I'm, but right here. Now listen to me. You listening? There's something not right. It's the Holy Ghost isn't liking it. Holy Ghost doesn't like the chance of lock her up. He don't like that. Now you, well, you need to listen. Because it has a lot to do with what's going on in this nation right now. We think lock her up is fun and wonderful. Holy Ghost don't like it. I said he don't like it. Luke 9, he took me to Luke 9. Let's go to Luke 9. We need to be real careful in this nation right now. We need to be real careful. Especially the Christians. Luke 9, verse 51. We're talking about praying here. But I need to talk to you about this. Luke 9, 51. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him, Jesus, to be received up, this is right before he went to the cross and so forth, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans. Notice the Samaritans to prepare for him. But the Samaritans, they did not receive him. They didn't receive Jesus. They didn't receive his, his people that he sent to get things ready for his arrival. Because his face was set to journey to Jerusalem. You need to understand something. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. They did not like each other. They hated each other. And so the Samaritans, because Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem, they weren't going to receive his, his 
people that went before him to prepare. Verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, now, now, now John is known as the disciple of love, but he didn't start out that way. It took years of him hearing the heartbeat of Jesus. Who, who had his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper? So, 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 so hearing the heartbeat of Jesus will turn you in from what he started out as to an apostle of love or a person of love. But notice what he says here. James and John, here's the apostle of love. He's not having a very lovely moment here. He said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? He, he did that in the Old Testament. And if it was in today, and I brought up the Samaritans, you would all set, would start chanting, send the fire down, send, you know, lock her up, send the fire down. Maybe you wouldn't, but, you know, send the fire down, send the fire down. Send. Huh? Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Just as Elijah did. Verse 55, but Jesus turned and what? He rebuked him. He didn't just tell him, hey guys, cool. He rebuked him and said, now watch this. He said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And notice what they did. They just went to another place. If they won't receive us over here, we're not going to call fire down on them. We're going to just go somewhere else. We're not going to chant against them. We're not going to retaliate against them. We're just going to go somewhere else. Huh? But back in verse 55, he said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Call fire down. Call fire down. That's not the Holy Spirit. Lock her up. Lock her up. That's not the Holy Spirit. I'm asking Christians today, when we're sitting there, lock her up. Saying, lock her up. What manner of spirit are we of? I don't like Hillary Clinton. I, now listen, I don't have, I, I love her. Let me say this right. I love her. I said, I love her. I said, I love her in the Lord with the love of the Lord. Now, if you can't say that, you need to check up on your Christianity. I don't love what she stands for. I'm opposed to it. I'm against what she stands for, but I love her. I love Maxine Waters. I, I, I'm opposed to what she stands for, but I love her. I, 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 I'm against what Barack Obama stood for and his policies, but I love the man. If we can't say that and, and mean it from our heart, I have to ask, are you really saved? And there's a lot of Christians in this land that would have trouble with the things I've just said here in the last few minutes. And we as Christians need to get a hold of ourselves. Lest this nation completely go the way of hate. Because we're the only, we're the only things holding, I'm talking Christians in the nation that really are for real Christians, are the only things that are holding this place together. You understand that? Do you get, are you getting what the Holy Ghost is saying? There's a man came up when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he took, he was coming to take him and, and Peter cut something off. What did he cut off? Now this guy, Malchus, he was a servant of the high priest. He came to take Jesus along with the rest of the troops and he got his ear cut off. You know, and, and, and think about this. Maybe when the rest of the crowd, Peter, now Peter cut his ear off. And he wasn't aiming for his ear. He was trying to kill him. 
And here's this guy's ear has been cut off. Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. Let me tell you what. What did Jesus do? He healed him. Yes or no? Judas walks up to Jesus to betray him and kisses him, betrayed him with a kiss. And Jesus called him friend. Jesus said, when you, what are you supposed to do? Turn the other one. Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your neighbor. But he also said, love your enemies. It's real easy to love people that love us. But the true test of whether or not you're a Christian is can, because he said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. It's real easy to love people that love us. But what about people that are unlovely and that are enemies? That's the true test. Can you love them? And again, I want you to understand something. I oppose, I oppose what Hillary Clinton stands for. But the lock her up, and, and if she needs to be in prison, that, that, that's the legal system ought to handle that. But we as Christians ought to love her. We ought to pray for her that she be saved if she's not. Huh? And then that she come to the knowledge of the truth. Is that correct? We can oppose her policies, but we can still love her. And the lock her up. Dear friends, it's time to lay that stuff down. Now you do with that whatever you want. Now, go to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the third verse. I, you know, I could stop right there and we'd have a good message, wouldn't we? I'm going to go. Is it okay if I go on just a little longer here? That'd be a good message right there. It'd be a good short one. Everybody'd be fine with the time on that. What should we pray for governmental authority? Well, that they be saved. Look at, how how do you pray for somebody's salvation? Now, this will help you not only with governmental officials, but with just your loved ones. How many of you know just saying, God, save Aunt Sally, if Aunt Sally's not a believer. Save Aunt Sally. How many of you know that's not an effective prayer? How many of you know God's done everything he's going to do to save Aunt Sally? And he wants her saved more than you want her saved, right? How do you pray effectively? The Bible says an effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if a prayer can be effective, it could be ineffective. So let's just talk about how do you pray for somebody's, somebody to get saved. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.3. But even if our gospel is veiled, the Holy Ghost through Paul here writes, it's veiled to those who are perishing, Look at verse 4. Who, whose minds the God of this age has what? Has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, whose image of God should shine on them. Notice verse 4 here. Whose minds the God of this age. It's a little g there, G-O-D, little God. Who is the, the Bible calls the God of this age, the prince of the power of the air? Who is that? That's Satan. That's the devil. And so the devil... If somebody's an unbeliever, one thing you know for sure, that the devil has blinded their spiritual understanding. Do you, do you realize that? And so the first thing that, that you have to do is realize that. And you have to deal with that spiritual blindness. You have to deal with it. This will make more sense to you when I'm, when I'm done here with this message. But we as Christians are supposed to rise up in the authority that Jesus has given us in his name and speak to the spiritual blindness that's on somebody's eyes and pull it down in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, most Christians don't understand that. They, they think, well, Lord, please pull that blindness down. No, no, you don't ask God to pull the blindness down. You take the authority he's given you in the name of Jesus and you pull it down. If you want to get results. And, I, and I'll give you some scripture for that in just a moment. So that's the first thing you do. You have to deal with the spiritual blindness. And then the second thing you do is you need to ask God. How many of you know prayer is a, is a, is a mechanism by which, because of the way God set things up, the authority structure that God has put here in this earth, 
Prayer is an avenue. It's a means by which we give God the avenue to move in this earth the way he would like to move. That's why we need to pray in line with the word of God. It has all to do with authority. Most Christians will say, well, God can just do anything he wants. Well, he's sovereign. He's all powerful powerful and all of that. But the way he set this authority structure up here, when he gave the authority to Adam, Adam gave it to the devil and so forth. And then Jesus came and got it back, so forth and so on. But what we need to realize is, is, is this authority structure here in the earth is prayer. Because I asked God years ago, I said, why do we need to pray? You could just do whatever you want. And over, over a process of time, he got through to me that, that prayer is, a, it, it, we give God an avenue through our prayers to move here in the earth. Do you understand that? Otherwise, why would we need to pray? Why does he tell us to pray? When we pray the word and declare the word, we give God the avenue, legal avenue, to come in here and do things. You need to understand. That helped me. Because otherwise, why would we pray? Why, why do we need to pray? Well, if you realize that God, one, one person said it this way, it seems that God has limited himself. Not that God is limited, but he's limited himself in this, in this earth to move only to the degree in which we pray and give him the avenue to move. Do you understand that? So if you understand that, it, it, it makes prayer a vital thing. We need to pray so that God will be able to move here in the earth. Now, most Christians, on what I just said right there, would, would accuse me of saying that God's not sovereign and, that, and they'd turn me off right there. How many of you know God is sovereign? He, he's all-powerful, but he set the, the structure of this thing up in such a way that we need to follow his rules or things aren't going to work. Do you understand that? Do, do you realize that? So when somebody's lost, what's the first thing you do? You deal with the, what, spiritual blindness... You speak to it in the name of Jesus. Pull it down. And then the second thing you do is found in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. You go reverently before the, the heavenly father. And notice Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful and the laborers are few. And then he says, and here it is. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You go before the heavenly father. In the name of Jesus, ask him to send a person or persons across, the one that's lost, across their path to share the gospel of Jesus with them. Is that easy enough? Now, ultimately, if someone is lost and they don't want to get saved, God will not violate their wills, nor can you. But you can do some things. One thing you can do is pull down to spiritual blindness. The second thing, you ask God to send a perfect laborer across that person's path to share Jesus with them. And you need to realize that you are not the perfect laborer for everybody. I had to realize this some years ago with some of my family members that, that knew me when I was a little kid and I was a cheater at old maid, you know. <laughs> and that's all they can see. They, they, don't, they haven't talked to me in years and whatever. And, and they still remember me as a cheater of old maid. And... and if I go share the gospel with them, they're probably not going to listen to me. It could just turn them off completely. So what do I do? I pull the spiritual blindness down and I ask the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus to send somebody that they will listen to. Now sometimes you might be the perfect laborer for your family. I was for my mother. But the rest of my family, they're not probably going to listen to me. Because they still think I'm a snot-nosed little kid that's going to cheat you at Old Maid. How many of you know God can change somebody over the years? I trust he's, ch he's changed me a lot. You wouldn't have liked me very much when I was 10 years old. I wonder if I would have liked you when you're 10 years old. Now notice here. So what's the first thing we pray for people? That they would be saved. And have I shown you how to do that? Pull down the spiritual blindness. Ask God to send the perfect labor. Now, if, there's, if they're already saved, though, if somebody's already saved, then what's the next thing you pray for them? That they'd come to the knowledge of the truth. Did we see that earlier? And, and for that, go, if you would, to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 15. Ephesians 1, 15. Now, notice what the Apostle Paul... This is... I mean, I mean this is real good to know. Ephesians 1, 15. Therefore, I also... Now notice what he says to this church in Ephesus. 
He said, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, he said, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, are these people already saved? Why are they saved? Because they have faith in the Lord Jesus. You okay? They're saved. Since they're saved, he doesn't need to deal with praying about salvation. But notice verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory... Now notice what he's starting to do here. He's going to pray that they come to the knowledge of the truth. And notice what he's doing. May give you the, what, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you see that? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. See, if somebody's already saved, you don't need to pray for their salvation. But you need to pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. And... Uh, They'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Do you see that? You see that? It's helpful to know that, isn't it? Isn't it? It's very simple, really. What are the two things you pray for somebody? For their salvation and the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. If they're already saved, then you don't have to pray about that. You just pray for the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. So dealing with the government... Let's take Mr. Trump, for example. If he's saved, let's just say that he's not. If he's not, it would be good to keep that spiritual blindness pulled down and be sure the perfect laborers pray that the Father would send perfect laborers. Right? Now, if he is saved, and I can't judge somebody's heart, but Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits, so, I mean, he... he, he I can't, I'm not going to judge whether he's saved or not. I'm just saying that if he's not, I've told you how to pray for him, haven't I? And if he is saved, then you don't have to pray that, but you can always pray that the eyes of it, that he'd come to the knowledge of the truth, that the eyes of his understanding would be enlightened on any subject. And that's not just true for Donald Trump. Let's take Mike Pence. Does anybody know who he is? He's a vice president. Now, there's no question that he's saved. He confesses Jesus. So I always, get, I always get a little nervous when people talk about God, but they won't call that name a Jesus. There's something about that name. But Mike Pence, we know he's saved. So we don't need to pray for that. But you know what? We could pray for him that the eyes of his understanding would be enlightened on, on any subject. Is, is that right? How would you pray for me? You, I, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved. You don't need to pray that for me. But you should always be praying for me that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that God would give me revelation of his written word. Is that right? It's a good thing you can pray for anybody. Correct? Follow what I'm saying? I do know that President Trump has been surrounded with a, God, a lot of good godly people. He's, he's probably saved. I mean, I've seen a great change in the man over the years, just as I observe him, but I can't judge a man's heart, can you? I mean, that's... I don't want to get into that and argue that. But we can always pray that the eyes of his understanding are what? Enlightened. How many of you know he's not perfect, is he? No more than I'm perfect or you're perfect. So it's a good prayer to pray for anybody. That God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened. That's, that's good to pray, isn't it? And then notice very quickly, look at verse 19. I need to get this through to you and, and then we'll be dismissed. Look at verse 19. And then he goes on here and he says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? which he worked in Christ, which God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above, say far above. Far above all, now notice this, far above what? Principality, power, might, dominion. That's talking about not only angelic power, good angels, but it's also talking about demonic power and fallen angels and demons. When Jesus, through what he did on the cross and his death, burial, resurrection... When he was raised from the dead, the Bible says right here, 
which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in his own right hand in heavenly place, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that's named, and not only in this age, but that which is to come. He, he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body. So where are principalities positioned as it pertains to us as the church? Are they above us or are they under us? They're under, not, they're, they're under our feet, aren't they? Yes or no? We just read that, didn't we? Now that's important. Where, are, where, where is spiritually positioned, where is the devil as far as it pertains to ranking and authority? Where is the devil and demonic power? Where, have, where has Jesus put them? Under our... We need to understand that. A lot of Christians don't know, don't know that. Look at... Look at Ephesians 6 here. Go over to Ephesians. You're in Ephesians 1. Go to Ephesians 6. This has everything to do with being an effective prayer here. Notice it says here, Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So how many of you know we're not wrestling against our fellow man? Is that right? How many of you know our war is not with the Democrats? Come on now. I, I, I disagree. With what they stand for. Could you, you see, when I say that, I could tell it in the spirit. There's people. That's why God has me standing here to help you. Our war is not with the Democrats. Come on now. Our war, he said, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. But what do we war against? principalities, powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's what our battle is against. Yes or no? So if any of these things are setting on the Democrats, and I think they are to a great degree, all you got to do, and I'm going to talk about this next week, is look at the party platform of the Republicans and look at the party platform of the Democrats. How many of you know the Democrats are for abortion? They're for same-sex marriage. They just are. Maybe not every last one of them, but most of them are. That's their platform. It's anti-God. Do you understand that? But our war is not against the people. The war is against what... It's a spiritual battle. It's what sits on them. Can you say amen? Are you okay with that? Why am I preaching this? Because I see some Christians that are falling into this. Well, we need to do harm. We need to just crush those people under our... No, we're not crushing people. We're dealing with demonic power. Yes or no? We're supposed to love the people, aren't we? Is that right? Now go over to the book of Daniel. I'm, I'm getting close to being done here. You getting anything out of this today? Now Daniel was a prophet. He was also heavily involved in the government of his day. And his government involvement and in, in his, his, his being a man of prayer, how many of you know it landed him somewhere? Where did it put him? In the lion's den. But God spared him and all of that. And in Daniel, go to Daniel 10, but Daniel chapter 9, he was in intercessory prayer for his people. And later in Daniel 10, apparently the second member of the Trinity, Jesus, appears to him. It's called the Christophany. It's when Jesus appears in the Old Testament. Okay? And that's what this is. It, it, that's what happened to him. And you can read about it there in Daniel 10. But look at verse 12, just for the sake of time. Then Daniel says, this is Daniel 10, 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself, note, and to humble, see, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves... To humble yourself before God, your words, your words were what? Were heard, and I have come because of your words. Our prayers move God. Our prayers, if they're done in faith, will move Jesus. Is that wonderful? But then notice here, verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, this is not talking about a physical man. This is talking about a demonic power. Now, you better hold on and listen real close to what I'm saying here because our nation 
depends on what I'm saying. I'm going to say here in the next five or six minutes. Listen. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, anybody know who Michael is? He's an archangel. So we're not talking about human beings here. We're talking about angelic power. We're talking about demon power. This prince of Persia was a demonic power. And it withstood the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Think about that. Now, this is in the Old Testament. Withstood him 21 days and then Michael came. One of the chief princes, this is Michael the Ark, came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Why, why are you reading this? You need to understand there is spiritual warfare going on in this country. Did you hear me? Listen, if you knew the kind of spiritual activity that was going on here in this country, it would stand the hair up on the back of your neck. Sometimes God will let people see over in the spirit realm. I tell you what, remember Elijah, Elisha when they were surrounded? Remember that? And, and the young servant of Elisha was all concerned. And, and he said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And then God opened his eyes and he saw in the spirit realm. And there were chariots of fire around. How many remembers that? If we could see over into the spirit realm, I, it, it would astound all of us. The hair would go up on the back of, uh, back of our necks. How many of you know angels are real? How many of you know demons are real? And how many of you know that... that, that Demonic power, and, I, and I've watched this over the years. And in, in, in the book of Ezekiel, you, you can look over there sometime. Don't, don't do it now. But in the book of Ezekiel, it, the, the Bible talks about the king of Tyre and the prince of Tyre. And the king of Tyre is Satan, the devil. And the prince of Tyre was a man that was ruling Tyre, the, the, the land of Tyre. And this prince ruled the land of Tyre. It's interesting, as you study the king of Tyre, who is the devil, and you look at the characteristics of the devil, and then you look at the prince, the characteristics of that prince was just like the characteristics of the devil. And the point I'm trying to make is, is you need to realize that there's demonic power that sets itself up over, over the nation. It tries to do it. It sets itself up over, there, there's powers that try to set themselves up over cities, over towns. You need to realize that. I don't say much about it because why don't you talk more about it? Because people come visiting, they'll think I'm a nut. So I don't, don't spend much time on it. But how many of you know it needs to be talked about once in a while? I remember as a young boy, uh, we live, well, I'm not going to call any names, but as a young boy, when, when I'd go with my mom, this I'm 10 years old, and we'd drive across a certain county line, and, and, I, and I'd drive, no more than you'd get in, you drive across the line, and you get into a different county, there's just something different about the place. I, don't, I didn't know what it was. And then come back over, over in this county, then it, it, was, it was different. And then you go to a certain city that I, I'm thinking about, and I go into, into that place, and there there's something different about it. I didn't know what it was. I know now there's demonic powers that set themselves up over different regions. Did you know there's some cities, this one city, it's had a spirit of poverty on it. And until you deal with that spirit, you're not gonna, it's never going to be prosperous. You need to understand that. And, and you need to realize that these demonic powers will try to set themselves up over, listen to me, up over politicians. And run politicians. You need to understand that. And see if we as Christians don't do our part to stand up against these things. These things will just come in and run roughshod. Did you ever, did you, I, I've said this many times. I've said to Diane. My goodness that politician. They sit, before they got elected and went to Washington. They were saying everything just right. Just what I wanted to hear. Just what I wanted them to do. And my gosh they got to Washington. And now they've changed. They've not done anything that, that they said they was going to do. You know why that is? Because the, the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. Spiritual wickedness in high places. They get to Washington. How many of you know there's demonic power over that place? And they get, they get there, and, 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 and because folks back home here aren't praying like we should, keeping these things bound up, they get sucked in. And, and, and have you ever said, 
they get to Washington and they change. They're not the same person. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that? Well, there's a reason for it. It's demonic, it's demonic power. Now, you get up and say that in the church, a lot of people turn you off. They think you're nut. I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's the God's honest truth. And if we don't understand that, and we don't stand up in our authority and do something about it, then the devil will just run roughshod. There's a, there's a spirit of hate in this land right now like I've never seen. And a spirit of division like I've never seen, dear friends. It's up to the Christians to stand up in this authority and do something about it. In the spirit. We don't need to go get guns and take up, our, take up axes and go out and start fighting. We need to, we need to get in our prayer closets. Hello? Yes or no? Did you know that there's demonic power set up over some churches? Did you know that? I said, did you know that? That's why you need to be in the word of God. So you don't get deceived. I'll tell you a quick story about this true story. This minister, his uh, church, his, his, when he get up in the pulpit, it was it was deader than a doornail. He'd get up in the pulpit. There was a, like a chill, like a cold. It, it just he couldn't preach. It was just hard. It got it was terrible. He couldn't preach. It was just, and he set aside some time and he was praying and seeking the Lord about it. And it came in the sanctuary, much like this one. Nobody was there. He's just praying, seeking the Lord, and. Uh, he happened to look up and remember we talked a moment ago how God can open your eyes? And God opened his eyes and you look right above the pulpit. Now, I, you see, I don't share these things very often because people think you're crazy. But I'm just telling you, he looked up, this very sound minister, he looked up and God opened his eyes and sitting up above the pulpit, there was like a, a, a he saw in the spirit, it was like a baboon, demonic power. Now how it got in the church? I don't know. You know, sometimes people come in with spirits of strife on them. Did you know that? Sometimes people come into the church with rebellious spirits on them. All kinds of, I don't know telling how it got in there, but he saw it. It was right above the pulpit. And he, it startled him. And he spoke to it. He said, in the name of Jesus, you're going to have to leave. And it argued with him. Long story short, it finally, the thing came down. It's in the spirit realm. I know people might think I'm nuts, but I'm just telling you the story. And he commanded to leave his church. And, and, and he, in the spirit, he, whether you believe it or not, took him over to the door, made him leave, told him, ushered him out, told him, get out of here in the name of Jesus. And he watched the thing. In the spirit, he watched him run down the street. There was a bar down the street. He watched this thing run into that bar. And a night or two, three nights later, that bar burned down. <laughs> right in this church. This happened, we've been here 20 years in this building and this happened one time. That's just one time. A lady came up and uh, she had a, wanted to kill herself. How many of you know the devil's in that? Standing almost on this spot here. I laid my hands on her and commanded the thing to leave her in Jesus' name. And I saw in the spirit, and I, I, just a couple of times this has happened is where, where God's let me see in the spirit. Boy, everybody's listening close right now. I said, come out of her in Jesus' name. Even the little kids got their attention. And she just, she just went and she just flopped to the floor. Got up completely delivered. Isn't that wonderful? But what happened was, is I saw, it looked like a bat. Have you ever seen a bat? Like a, little, like a bat just went out that way. In this, in this spirit. I, and I never said anything because I didn't want to freak anybody out. And I'm standing at the door. And this lady comes up to you. You know, there's some flaky people. This lady was not a flaky people person. You're not flaky. This lady was not flaky. She came up to me and she she's just shaking after the service. She said, Pastor Terry, can, can, I, can I talk to you for just a minute? Well, what I didn't tell her, I was shaking too. And she said, you know, when you, when you ministered to that lady, I said, yeah. She said, I, and I, I hadn't said a word to anybody. She said, I saw a black bird like a bat go out that way in the spirit. I confirmed it, you see. How many of you know these things are real? We need to talk about them once in a while. Can you say amen? 
All right, let's close this up. Colossians 2.14. Go there very quickly and then, then we'll dismiss. Colossians 2.14. You getting anything out of this? We can't let the devil take our country away from us. And just because Mr. Trump is in there, and I'm glad that he is, but just because he's in there, we need to continue to do some things in prayer. And we need to continue to go out there and vote. Real quick, Colossians 2.14. Notice this. talks about Jesus wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us and was contrary to us. He took them out of the way and nailed them to the cross. And notice in verse 15, what did he do? He disarmed something. What did he disarm? He disarmed them, didn't he? Principalities of power. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in, in, in his redemptive work. So has, has principalities and powers, have they been disarmed? They've been disarmed, haven't they? And then look at Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. Now where are they? They're, they've been disarmed and where are they? They're under our feet. And then Jesus, notice what he said in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. This is right before he was taken up to heaven. He came and spoke to his disciples. He said, he said, what did he say? All what? All what? Authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Do you see that? Now let's go to Mark's account of it. Mark sixteen seventeen. Notice what he says there. This is Mark's account of the same thing. He said, he said all authority has been, in, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will what? I just gave you an example of it over there. Right? Remember, we just talked about it. They will what? They will cast out? Come on now. They will do what? So he's been given the authority. He gave it to us. And we're supposed to stand up against the devil. Is that right? In his name. Now, not in our own selves. Now, look at 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Come on, real quick. There's two more and we're done. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a what? Roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And what are we supposed to do? Resist him steadfast in the faith. So are we supposed to ask God to do something about the devil? No, he's already done all he's going to do. We need to resist the devil. And then lastly, James 4, 7. Submit to God. Then what? James 4, 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil. So we, a, lot of, a lot of Christians, oh God, do something about the devil. Do something about the devil. Do something about... No, we need to stand against him. This country depends on it. Now we're going to go ahead and stand with me. Now, I realize a lot of you 